Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night and your boy on social media at MMALOT. And this week, we're going over UFC Vegas 62, headlined by a women's flyweight belt, likely may produce a number one contender for uh, flyweight queen, Valentina Shevchenko. We got Alexa Grasso going up against Viviani Araujo. Should be a fun, action-packed fight. We got five rounds of it, but I don't know if it'll go the full five rounds. Very much looking forward to, to breaking down this fight for you guys one last time for you guys, especially with the guests that I got lined up for you guys as well. But before we go live. I want to make sure to remind everybody, hit that like and subscribe below if you haven't already. And make sure you guys give my uh, my guest a follow as well. You can see his link to his Instagram page in the description below. He is not a fellow MMA Twitter hooligan like myself and most of the guys that I usually bring on, but he is a part of the IG MMA betting crew, which is a solid crew as well, which I hope to expose a lot of you guys to over the next coming weeks as I bring some of these guys on as well. Um just a reminder, tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern, fight day live chat may not be taking place because I actually have a Halloween party to go to tomorrow. I know it's two weeks early for Halloween, but it's a, a college party that I'm throwing with uh, my old college friends. So this is the only weekend we can get it to work. I'm going to try to see if I can fit in the fight day live chat somewhere, but it would definitely be uh, way before 1 p.m. Eastern. So Keep your eyes on my Twitter page. Keep your notifications on on your YouTube channel, and you'll be able to see when I'm going to go live tomorrow. So keep your eyes peeled for that. All right. Without further ado, let me bring in my guests here. Me and my me and my guy have been going back and forth, talking a lot over the last year, maybe year and a half now. Uh, very solid dude, very sharp dude as well, and uh, one of the realer dudes in the game, which I very much respect. You know, uh, you guys obviously know all that bullshit that I went through over the last couple of weeks, but this is one of the true guys that you know is. Uh, a legit dude and and will always be one of the legit dudes so i always have respect for that guy uh so without further ado let me bring in my dude zach aka the mma jewish betters shalom my friend how are you doing zach oh don't tell me we bugged out right off the intro <laughs> right on the intro we get my guy oh here we, we go. go there we go there we go What's cracking, brother? What's up, man? I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I do believe uh, you're. I see you rocking that Astros jersey. You're down in Texas, there, are you not? Yes, sir. Let's go. Uh, again, I haven't really been keeping up with baseball, obviously, since my Blue Jays got eliminated last week after that colossal uh, failure, you know, being up 8-1, uh, going into that seventh inning and then still losing 10-8 to or whatever the foul it was. But how are your Astros doing? They're, they're still live, right? They're still in it? Uh, yeah, Astros are still in it. I think it's going to be a good year. I see the Yankees and the Astros playing. That's going to be close. And then I think it's going to be the Dodgers versus whoever wins that. Oh, what's the series right now for Astros? I think they're playing the Mariners, right? The Mariners. Um, I'm actually, I'm not 100% sure, dude. I'm not. Ah, look at this guy. Fan. You it's fake shirt, Astros fan. <laughs> just a shirt. <laughs> I'm playing, I'm playing. It's all good. It would have been something, though, if I like the, colors, the Blue Jays man. actually made it. It, it is. It, it would have been something if the Blue Jays made it to the second round and me and you were, were going head-to-head -head here while they are playing as well. That would have been fucking awesome. But I actually uh, got a little bit of a, I got a little bit of a story behind the shirt. I uh, just went to me, like, my me. first Astros game. Went to my first Astros game this year. Um, I took Astros to win in the first five innings. I think 
And uh, they were down like three runs in that inning with two outs, and they wound up hitting a walk-off home run in that inning. Man, I was already calling my Uber. <laughs> cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> cancel it. I love it. I love it. That's fucking dope, bro. That that's awesome. It's always great to have like stories, uh, you know, that have to do with merchandise and that, like those type of sporting event experiences. So it's awesome that you got to deal with something like that. But we're not here to talk about baseball, Zach. We are here to talk about fights. We finally got some fights back in our life. It's the the first fight in what two weeks now. I believe the UFC gave us uh, only one event in a three week stretch, and it was that Dern versus Jan fight. But now we're kicking off six straight UFC events uh, coming up for us uh, between now and middle of November. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, before we jump into it from a betting perspective, though, I'm curious from your mindset from a fan as a fan's perspective. What what fight are you looking forward to most tomorrow? Although, you know, I think the one that you were going to say got canceled this morning with Roy Val and Askarov. But uh, yeah, what, yeah. what's the other fight that you have your eyes uh, on from a, so, from a fan's perspective? Absolutely. So I think right off the bat, man, this is a tough one because we went from D-Rod to P-Rod. Pete Rodriguez <laughs> instead of Daniel Rodriguez. We went, we went from Sean Strickland and Jared Cannonier. You know, Sean Strickland, this outgoing guy, would have been a great media week. Um to a woman's main event that doesn't really have a title behind it, or we don't even know if it really has title implications. You know, they might have to win another fight after that, depending on who they are. Um, so I think, you know, I think actually the UFC is trying to set up Grasso to get towards that title shot as it is a thin division. But uh, this is an interesting week, man, and I'm looking forward to it. The, the fight that I'm looking forward to the most, which, what you asked me, I really like Cub Swanson here versus Jonathan Martinez, man. I think that's yes, a very interesting fight. I'm a huge fan of Cub Swanson. Uh, this very well could possibly be his last fight. And versus a young upcomer like Jonathan Martinez, this is a big proving uh, spot for him to make a statement, come out in that Van Mewitt division, which is Cub's debut in that division. Uh, I'm excited still for tomorrow. I think we still could get some good bets in. Yeah, you know, I think that the best thing that could have happened for the UFC is them giving us that like that week off so that we could actually get hyped for fights again. And even though they're giving us a pretty mediocre card here, well, we're still pretty excited to talk about it and, and break the fights down and just fucking watch fights. That's what it ultimately comes down to as well. All right, let's uh, let's dig into the card, man. We got 11 fights to talk about. We'll talk about what happened on the scales with some of these guys as well. But we'll talk about the first fight of the night. I can't believe Mr. Mike Jackson is making his fourth walk to the octagon here after uh, going through the CM Punk sweepstakes like he did six years ago. But here he is going up against Pete Dead Game Rodriguez, who also made his debut kind of on short notice against Jack Della Maddalena several months ago. Uh, Pete. You know, he goes in there, he's a, he's a slugger, likes to get his opponents out of there immediately. The majority of his fights only being in the first round. I believe one fight crept into the second round, but it was an amateur fight, so it wasn't even five-minute rounds to begin with. Uh, but there are a lot of question marks about his game, especially should this fight go deeper. And although he doesn't have the most formidable opponent ahead of him here in Mike Jackson, you know, if Mike could survive that early onslaught, things could get a little bit interesting for the plus, uh, you know, 500 underdog, plus 400 underdog that Mike Jackson currently is should this fight go into rounds two and three. Um, I... Somebody sent me an interview earlier today about uh, Pete Rodriguez talking about showing off his ground game. And I think that would be the best way for him to approach this fight. Like, sure, he can knock out Mike Jackson on the feet. He has that type of explosivity and that type of power. But 
I think you almost guarantee a finisher for yourself if you're able to drag this fight to the mat. I don't really think Jackson is too well-versed off of his back. You know, he showed some good things in terms of his takedowns against a guy like CM Punk, but this is not CM Punk. This is a guy who's actually been training and has legitimate experience behind him. So I do lean still with the Pete Rodriguez side. I want nothing to do with that minus 675 on the money line, though. Uh, maybe even just honing in on Rodriguez round one, which is currently sitting around minus 190. I'm seeing minus 165 actually on the line as well. Probably the best way to approach it, in my opinion. So uh, no bet on it for me. But if I were to pull the trigger, it would likely be that Rodriguez round one. What do you think in here, Zach? Yeah, I'm right there with you on uh, Rodriguez. I think he his his... He could win in round one. That's very possible, but, but I think he out. You know, I thought Mike Jackson's last opponent was a nobody. I thought he was way too juiced up on that line. Um, although the fight did end in the DQ, he still almost finished that guy. Um, he still almost finished Mike Jackson, and the DQ is what saved Mike Jackson, I believe, in the end of the day. Pete Rodriguez still, like, what you have to give him is his finishing ability. And he does obviously have that. He does mix it up to the body well as well. And, and you know, that big hairy body of Mike Jackson, that's just a perfect target for my boy Pete Rodriguez right there. <laughs> One, two to the body. I think he's going to make Jackson a 38-year-old guy with only three fights. Come on, guys. Come on. This isn't a question. I, I, right, I understand the line, but Mike Jackson, look, I got, the, I got the shirt on. Mike Jackson's from Houston. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you might as well. Uh, he's got no ground game. Uh, I couldn't bet on this guy. I think Pete Rodriguez is an MMA lab guy, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, yes. Decent camp. I think he chops him apart. He goes low with the low kicks. He uses his hands to go to the body. And he lights up Mike Jackson up top, and he gets a knockout. I think it's in round I, one also. Actually, it seems like Tapology has him with some gym called Dominate MMA, but he is definitely from that Arizona uh, Arizona area, and he's been mixed up with those Fight Lab and uh, Fight Ready guys as well. Uh, or sorry, MMA Lab and Fight Ready guys as well. So I, I, I completely understand it. But yeah, I get it, man. I, I completely understand where you're coming from here. I'm hoping it is smooth sailing like that for Rodriguez because I'm not sure if I can break down another Mike Jackson fight should he make a fifth walk to the octagon. <laughs> Yeah, and tough, tough debut for Pete Rodriguez on short notice. Man. Oh, of Jack course. Jack Elena is an absolute savage, so not, none passed him here. I think, you know, obviously the line last time was obscure-ish, but I think Pete Rodriguez is, is actually slightly, or maybe a little bit, or a lot better than that guy, uh, Dean Barry. And um, like I said, I think he mixes it up well, finds the finish up top. There we go. And uh, my guy Blackton3 in the chat saying uh, Rodriguez by sub. That's currently sitting around plus 900. So if you like any of that angle, especially if this fight does hit the mat, not a bad way of looking at it either. All right. Let's get to this next fight. And I'm actually going to let you kick it off, my friend. We got uh, the fight, uh, the, the one fighter that actually missed weight when he stepped on the scale today. CJ Vergara comes in three pounds overweight for his uh, flyweight fight. This is going to be the second time he's missed weight in the UFC in his three fights. So not a good look for him there. In terms of odds, we got some steam coming in on Tyra, uh, especially after he missed weight. Uh, Tyra is now up to minus 250. CJ Vergara at plus 210. Zach, you got a betting angle here. And ultimately, what's your uh, prediction for this matchup? Yeah, I love Tyra before the weight miss. Uh, I think he has the, the grappling advantage here. What I mean by that is his wrestling is really good. He could set it up with the hands. He obviously has power. Uh, when he dropped Candelario, 
And if you look at C.J. Vergara in every single fight he's been in, he's given up his back in some way or another. Uh, even in his last fight, he was deep in that calf slicer versus uh, Clayton Rodriguez. That was still a close fight, but I believe it was a split decision. Um, I think I think the side here is Tyra. I think he's very slick with those back takes. And one of the hardest things to do in MMA is take the back. Um, not take the back, finish from the back, I want to say. It's actually, you know... Uh, I think going to be easy to get to CJ Vergara's back, but I think uh, he's going to have to pepper him with strikes to f- eventually find that rear naked choke. Uh, Vergara is going to be fighting the hands, and uh, it's hard to choke another man out, man. Even if you have the back, I think that's the strongest position though by far in MMA, and I think Tatsuro here is going to be able to get to it when he wants uh, at will, especially if he chooses to grapple. And I 100 percent of my heart believe that's going to be his path. I think he's going to look for the rear naked choke sub. If there was a prop I could bet on this fight that said he's going to win by rear naked choke finish, <laughs> it would be that. And he has them on his record as well. Uh, there was one in the regional scenes. Like, he did it very well. He punched his opponent into the rear naked choke, uh, almost like Nate Diaz versus Conor McGregor, even though Conor McGregor was going to quit anyway. Punches him <laughs> into the rear naked choke, finishes beauty. Uh, Tatsuro uh, had Candelario's back in his last fight. Uh, almost finished him, trapped his hand and everything. It was beautiful. I don't know how Condelario got out of that, but Tatsuro Young, he's coming up in the game. I think he's the better technical striker here. I think he's the better grappler, and I think he's the better wrestler, and his cardio is there to show it all the way through. So, um, And th- that to be said, we could be, be seeing an even better version of him here. Uh, I have to bet on Tatsuro at already thin, in my opinion, flyweight division. or It's, it's more top-heavy, per se. I think he's getting the matchup that he could win here. I like it. Uh, I, I wasn't as big on Tyra in his UFC debut as most people were. <clears throat> I even took the the underdog shot on Candelario there because the main thing that I was looking at Candelario was his submission defense. Like his grappling defense looked very, very good. And I thought if he could fend off the submission attempts and the grappling onslaught of Tyra, that he could kind of swing the fight into his favor. But, you know, he did a great job of defending. It just wasn't getting to the next step of actually getting his own damage off or unit control off. So uh, Tyra was able to pick up the win there, like you talked about. Uh, but I, yeah, I do think that uh, I agree with you that I think that this Vergara fight will be slightly easier than the Candelario fight. Like, Vergara has shown that he's a dog, right? Like, he's won uh, his uh, two, I believe, two of his last three fights where he's the underdog. Uh, Obviously, his Bruno Cajaya finish where he starches him in 40 seconds. And then he pulls off that win over Clayton Rodriguez, who showcased that he didn't really have the greatest gas tank to begin with. Uh, And uh, Vergara was able to pressure him right off the jump and, and, you know, break him, essentially, and then win that fight via decision as a huge underdog as well. So... Um, I'm going to be looking to, I'm going to be looking, you know, originally I was thinking Tyra by decision, which is around plus 120. And then I saw the submission line, you know, credit to my guy, uh, Cody Saftik, who said that it was around plus 300. I don't mind that. Mm. I don't mind a plus 300 shot on Tyra there. So, so here's what I'm going to say about this, man. Like I was just about to say, like some of the things in MMA to do, the hardest thing to do is finish from the back. Like these guys are so high level at this point. They know the defenses. So you have to be really technical with your skills of hand fighting or you have to hurt them really bad to find that choke um i think he could he could really easily win a decision here and honestly i wouldn't be touching props on this fight if uh take it from the good man alec baldwin man props aren't always good if you ever seen that uh he he hit the guy with the gun don't use the props okay so look you're savage I, I think, zach I think you are a fucking very, savage I, I think it's very <laughs> 
<laughs> you got to go with it, man. I think it's very likely that he could finish him with a rear naked choke finish. But like you said, Condelario with the submission defense, Vergara has been able to get out of some spots. Although he's been ha- he's had his back taken, he's been able to get out of some spots. And I think Tyra has other win uh, opportunities here by points and honestly by TKO as well. I think he could win this fight standing also, um, which which makes me want to stay away from the props, like I was saying. The one thing I did want to say also as well is Vergara's had a great UFC career, but why did he come in as such a big underdog in his contender series fight? It was because of those performances before. He was getting dropped multiple times in that fight. Um, I can't remember the exact name, but I believe it was in Fury FC. Um, multiple times, you know, the, the performance really wasn't good. His opponent just basically gassed out. Uh, you know, and uh, I think, yeah, Tyra all the way here, man. I, I don't mind it. Like, as the week has gone on, I've kind of grown even higher on him in this spot. Like, uh, I faded Vergara with Clayton Rodriguez. Now I'm essentially getting a maybe a better guy with a better gas tank here in Tyra that could probably do what I thought Clayton would be able to do. So, um, you know, I, I you know. You still got like 24 hours before the fights kick off, and I might still end up putting pulling the trigger. Whether it's you know just playing that minus 250 straight up, I you know I really don't mind playing chalk, uh, especially if I feel pretty good about a fighter. But I might even just take a small stab at, at that at that sub prop personally. Like I just think that plus 300 is just a little bit crazy, considering he will likely get the back of this guy, and I think from there he'll eventually work for that submission at a certain point. And Mixing that brutal weight cut that we saw CJ Vergara just have as well, it could probably tax him out in the fight, especially dealing with the guy, you know, using the body, trying mm. to squeeze in the guts and all that. Like, I think it'll probably. Ca- uh, and he's been finished, but like, he's been finished before in the regional team by rear naked choke. Yeah. Uh, also, the it. fight I was talking about was Jacob Silva. That's what it was. He Jacob got dropped Silva. multiple times in that fight. Jacob Silva is like a, a veteran too, right? I think he's a guy that was. Uh, he fought on the contender series a couple times as well. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I think we're on the same page here. Tatsura Tyra for me and my guy, Zach. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We're going to be talking about a women's strawweight belt here between Piera Rodriguez and Sam Hughes. In terms of odds, we had some money come in on Sam Hughes over the week. We got Piera Rodriguez down to minus 165 now. Plus 140, the return on Sam Page, Sam Hughes. Now, Sam Hughes has been obviously working with Fortis MMA over her last couple fights, and it's worked out pretty well for her. I'm a big Fortis MMA guy, right? You're a fellow Texan. I I love the guys down there, uh, and uh, I'm a big Save Sayud fan. You know, he's done a very good job in terms of bringing fighters in and making them you know, get take that extra step to be even a better fighter. He could have done a little bit better with Uriah Hall, I'll be honest, but I think Hall was probably a little bit too far along in his career for any improvements to really be made. But when Carlos Diego Fajeda went over there, that guy went on a little bit of a run until he ran into Benil Dariush, I believe it was, and that's where he ended up uh, having his run stop. But he was definitely at a higher ceiling that he was uh, than he was before joining Fortis MMA, so I was very uh, happy to see that. And same with Sam Hughes. You know what I mean, she's going out there, getting getting her ass whooped in the first round against Estela Nunes, pulling off that comeback and, and winning that fight. And then in the, the following fight against Elise Reed, she just dummies her, uh, you know, which, you know, even without Fortis MMA, I think she would have been able to do that. I just think that a lot of people were expecting more from Elise Reed, especially with the way that she pulled off the upset, the way she did over uh, Corey McKenna in her fight before that. Um, here, uh, so, so the Estela Nunes fight, the reason she won there, in my opinion, durability and cardio. 
She looked great there, right? She took a shit kicking and then came back and won that fight. Uh, and in the Elise Reed fight, she was just a better grappler. We always knew the downfall of Elise Reed would be the grappling if he can get it going, uh, you know, uh, efficiently. And Sam Hughes was able to do that. She's not going to have those advantages in this fight against Pierre Rodriguez, in my opinion, right? She, the, the wrestling might nullify itself. I think the cardio is pretty much on par with each other. And I think that Pierre Rodriguez is the slightly better striker here. I think she throws with a little bit more heat, a little bit more impact, and she throws in good combinations. And she has, uh, and I think she has pretty damn good wrestling as well, like I was saying. I wouldn't be surprised to see either woman look for uh, the grappling uh, to, to try to establish that top position here. But I just feel a tad more confident on the Pierre Rodriguez side. And I was looking at that line movement all week. I was like, ooh, this line is coming down to a bettable range for me because right now at minus 165 or even minus 190, what she was at earlier this week, didn't really get me going too much. But now as she's creeping closer to minus 150, I'm going to be monitoring that line over the next 24 hours. And if it hits that line, I'll likely take at least a one and a half unit shot on her there. Um, otherwise, I kind of just want to stay away from it. I think it's going to be competitive, but we'll always see Pierre Rodriguez get that uh, that just that extra step ahead of her uh, with the damage and with the control. So give me Pierre Rodriguez decision. Thinking about Pierre money line here at minus 150 if I get that. What are you thinking here, Zach? Yeah, I think whoever you take in this fight, I think you take the decision. Like you said, both like um, Sam Hughes, super durable. That Estela Nunez fight showed a lot because she was on the verge of getting cut probably from the UFC and um, lost that first round pretty much convincingly versus a tough striker in Estela Nunez. And uh, the general, literally that's his name, the general, he comes in like a general into the octagon, comes in, just whips her like into just fight mode. You got to press forward, tells her exactly what she needs to do you got to press forward you got to make this a grappling match um gets her on the ground was able to basically tire out nunez from there in the third round does the exact same thing bloodied up and everything and you know uh, i think that was a great moment you know after such a hard fought uh process for i believe that might have been her first fight even with fortis you know it takes even some time also to see some of those improvements throughout fights i, I believe it takes three camps with a team for most fighters to start seeing the difference in the fighter. Um, whereas, you know, this was great for their um, fighter coach connection, which I think is super important when you're getting in there, you need somebody on your side that you're fighting with and for, you know, it's, it's a mutual thing. You need somebody by your side that you could trust. So I, I think that safe Sayud is that perfect guy. Um, one of the best coaches by far in MMA. And I, if I was to bet on this fight, I'd be betting on safe Sayud if I'm betting on Sam Hughes, because this is kind of a, you know, I think this is an even even fight. Sam Hughes does have the grappling. I think if she gets on top, Piera has shown in her fight versus Kay Hansen an ability not really to get to her feet. Sometimes she will play off her back for a little bit. I think she knows in this fight that she does have to get back to her feet. But Sam Hughes, I think, could grind her on the cage, not necessarily have to take her down and win some of the technical striking battles. I have seen Piera Rodriguez in some fights, maybe not the Kay Hansen fight, but uh, her contender series fight, she did slow down uh, quite a bit uh, in the third round, which is, you know, it happens. It's the contender series. It's the third round. You have a tough opponent. Sure. But I think Sam Hughes is a grinder, man. And I think with him in uh, her corner, I'm going to take a stab on Sam Hughes as the underdog, man, plus 225. That's a better number wow. than you're going to get for Pierre on by decision. And judges, man, they don't know what they're doing here. This fight's probably going to decision. If Sam Hughes just at least makes it look somewhat close. I think there's at least some decent value on the plus 225 for, I think, the better cornered fighter and somebody who's just got 
durability and cardio for days. You know they're going to fight for your money. I like it. Uh, plus 25 decision, not a bad line at all, in my opinion. Uh, and again, you know Sam will fight for your money. She doesn't mind getting her shit kicked in in that first round, and then she'll come back afterwards and, and try to pull it off. I just don't know if she'll have that advantage here over over Piera to, to establish that. But I, I agree with you. Close fight, which is why I'm waiting for a better line here on Rodriguez before pulling the trigger. All right, let's get to the next matchup here, and I'm going to let you kick it off, my friend. We got a uh, short-notice debut for Lucas Alexander. He's taking on Joanderson Britu. In terms of odds, we got minus uh, four, actually minus 365 now on Joanderson Britu and plus 300 on Alexander. Uh, how are you seeing this one? Do you think the short-notice debutante has what it takes, or does Britu go out there and do what Britu does? I think Brito is a good grappler, man, especially when he gets it to the mat. He likes to use that double underhook, which could be tough versus a tall opponent like uh, Lucas Alexander. We saw some grappling success versus Bill Algio, who is a black belt, has shown ability to be taken down in his fights, but he is a black belt. He has decent grappling. And uh, Brito, you know, he made it a fight. He just tired out, and that's his problem. And that would be my only worry here. Like, the thing is with fights like this is I try to think, like, what am I missing and what – like, how could Alexander possibly win the fight? And the only way I possibly see him win this fight, he hasn't been finished in his career. He does come from a, a good submission-based gym, in my opinion, with Fusion XL, which has middleweights like Hadolfo Vieira and um, Philip Rowe, who have good jiu-jitsu, in my opinion. Um, you know, just from a jiu-jitsu-based standpoint. Let's just say, hypothetically, the, the only way I see this fight, like, not going for Brito is if he... I don't think it's him getting clipped. I think it's him gassing and, you know, Alexander just being tough enough to possibly, you know, stay the course, I guess you would say. Uh, I could see Brito finishing a submission in this fight, but uh, I, I don't know. I like Brito here. I don't know how he loses this fight. Yeah, I, I'm largely in agreement with you. I, I'm not as... I'm not as down on his gas tank as I used to be. I think that his gas tank is good enough to kind of fuel the type of game that he likes to play, which is just fucking aggressiveness and moving forward and throwing big shots and maybe even going for takedowns if he needs it. Uh, like he, uh, he he tried doing it against Bill Algio as well, uh, but Algio just so like squirmy and and tough to get a hold of and, and really even control. And uh, that's what Joe Anderson Brito found out the hard way uh, that time around. Um but yeah, I think that this is a good matchup for him to go out there and just move forward, land big shots, maybe get uh, Lucas Alexander out of there in the early going. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see him go out there and try to take uh, get a takedown and just smash him from on top. Because when you do run the tape on the early I think that's Lucas the worst fights, idea. You think it's the worst for him to get him to the ground? Yes, because look, if he get if he can't finish him on the ground, I think he guesses. I think if he if if he can't take Lucas Alexander down constantly, he because he likes to go for that double underhook, and that's how he got tired versus Bill Algio, man. And I just think I I know his gas tank isn't as bad as maybe some people used to think it was, but if he takes this fight lightly, I guess his opponent is short notice. I don't yeah. know, man. I I think there's <laughs> any I think he wins this fight most likely any way he wants. No, I, I agree with you there. And I don't mean like go with a, a Khabib type uh, game plan where you're just going for takedown after takedown. Just mix it a takedown every now and then as, you know, the early tape that showcases on Lucas Alexander is 
more often than not, when guys are able to beat him, they're able to get him to the ground and control him without much much uh, issue. But then again, that was earlier in his career. I'm sure he's made plenty of improvements. He's obviously moved up to Florida and started training with the Fusion XL guys like you were talking about. But I'm still curious to whether he has those holes in his game and if a guy like Joe Anderson Brito can take advantage should he want to go that that route. My only concern here is if Joe Anderson Brito plays a little bit too much on the feet, I like the calf kicking game of Lucas Alexander, man. The guy has butchered a couple people with that. And if he can implement that here early enough against Britu, he might be able to, you know, immobilize Britu and start letting his hands go after that. But I think the explosiveness and power and speed of Britu is going to land early enough on him to actually get that finish. So uh, I, I still go with Britu, Britu early. But I have no, you know, I have no real uh, conviction to go out there and play that minus 400-ish line that he currently has. Yeah, I agree right. 100%. Perfect, perfect. All right, let's get to this next matchup. We're going to be talking about a grappler's delight. Might be boring to some people, but I'm looking forward to seeing how this one pans out. We got Nick Maximov going up against Jacob Malkoon. In terms of odds, we currently have minus 125 on Nick Maximov and plus 105 on Jacob Malkoon. Now, Maximov opened up as a minus 150 favorite. Uh, that was on DraftKings. I'm trying to pull up the, the bet online number here, but I think he opened up slightly. Yeah, oh, actually opened up minus 140, got bet down to minus 170 almost immediately. And then steady money coming in on Jacob Malkoon over the last couple of days me being one of them, because I think that this is going to be a competitive fight, man. I think that, you know, Nick Maximov, the reason I believe he's the favorite is his name recognition, honestly. Like, I think a lot more people are familiar with him based on his affiliation with the Nick Diaz army and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, solid fighter, don't get me wrong. Good jiu-jitsu and all that. But, like, the way Jacob Malkoon fights will make, will force Maximov to fight a lot. And like we saw when Maximov can't truly establish that top control against his opponents, like he did, uh, he, you know, he did in a lot of the Cody Brundage fight, but when there were scrambles forced, he was working a little bit harder than he should have been. Uh, and luckily for him, he was only going up against a guy like Cody Brundage. Here he's going up against the guy in Jacob Malkoon who's never going to stop. You know, I mean, this guy's going to stay in your face. And although the striking is kind of a wash because they, you know, they both need work on it, I think it's the aggressive nature and that forward movement and in-your-face style of Jacob Malkoon, which makes me lean him ever so slightly. And then once this fight hits the mat, it's likely 50-50. It's going to come down to who lands a takedown, who lands on top, and who's going to be able to get more of the control time. But this is also the difference. Nick Maximov, he's content with just like holding you down and working to eventually get a better position, but not really throwing any damage or doing any work like that. Malkoon, complete mm -hmm. opposite. He'll punch his way into better positions, and he stays active enough, which is why I like him in this fight. So I got plus 130 earlier this week. A ton of people agreeing with me, which is why the line is closing the way that it does. I like Malkoon here. I like Malkoon by decision. That's sitting at plus 200, but even his money line, I think, is a good enough spot. I'd be surprised, though, if either guy ends up getting a finish in this matchup. I'm going to go with... I believe he's the Aussie, uh, Jacob Malkoon. What are you thinking here, Zach? Yeah, yeah, I like the distance, man. I like the over two and a half setting at like minus 260, minus 270. Uh, because I don't think either of these guys really has the ability to finish each other on the feet. And when it comes down to the ground game, you know, I, like you said, I believe it's kind of a 50-50. But um, I think Malkoon, what he does a little bit better is he works from like one takedown uh, to the next. Maximov has great wrestling as well, though. Like this is a great grappling match if it goes down there but i think a lot of it could play out on the feet as well uh where i believe you know it's kind of even also there uh you know maximov likes a little bit more of a kick based game a kick heavy approach 
Malkun seems a little bit sometimes uncomfortable on the feet, whereas I think Maximov coming from a Diaz-type camp, he'll at least be maybe a little bit more comfortable. I've seen just Jacob Malkun a little bit too tense on the feet. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Look what happened versus Phil Hawes when he just absolutely bum-rushed him in his first fight, took him to the moon. Of course, Philip Hawes does that, but, you know, that was a bad look for Jacob. But I think, uh, you know, Jacob came back strong from that loss. He got three, and he rang him off back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Um, well, he did beat Brandon Allen, correct? No, he sh- I thought he no, should have. Okay. I thought he so, deserved yeah, that to get Henry's there, honestly. One. That was the controversial one, but I thought he won that fight. He outgrappled Brandon Allen, and I think that's a great comparison. Uh, Brandon Allen is also a BJJ black belt and did have excellent scrambles. What Malkoon did on the bottom very well also when he was there was he um, did a half he, – he was using that half guard deep half guard come up on the single yeah. perfectly. I mean, some of those sweeps and some of those wrestling uh, techniques were great. And I, the other thing that I like that he does really well is he sits in the half guard. And not only does he do that, he'll get the takedown up against the cage, which he did versus A.J. Dobson. And A.J. Dobson was absolutely befuddled. Uh, his takedown defense in the first round was beautiful. But as the fight went along, Dobson couldn't get up. And he was just talking to him. And he said he basically yeah. gave up because Malkoon was so dominant with that top pressure, uh, what he did really well at the end in the third round that um, I want people to see or maybe go back and look at is he he kind of angled perpendicular to the cage and sat in that Turk position in half guard where he's kind of pinching the knee and sitting on it. And he was just landing like small elbows and just crazy, like annoying shots. Like it, it must have sucked to be there for A.J. Dobson as much as the crowd was booing and as much as, you know, Things weren't going uh, the way they wanted to, although we did get violence later that night. Uh, that was down here uh, in Houston, the Robert Whitaker versus uh, Adesanya fight. But, man, I was there watching. I thought that was one of Jacob Malkoon's best performances. He came back from adversity. I don't think Maximov is the same striking threat as uh, a Dobson. I got to lean with you here just based off of the, the slight details that Malkoon does during his grappling. Now, Maximov also as well has shown great grappling, and I hate to go on about this, but I love their grappling. The Brundage fight, uh, good takedown defense. Uh, the time Br- Brundage did shoot in, he was able to stuff the takedown, you know. Uh, but I don't think Brundage is the same type of wrestler as Malkoon. I think this is going to be even somewhat on the feet. Uh, Malkoon's going to be able to catch the kicks of Maximov, which um, are quite predictable, uh, in my opinion. He telegraphs his kicks. That's going to give Malkoon the perfect opportunity. And uh, Maximov needs to not wing wild punches, which is what the mistake that Abdul Razak Alassane made, which set up the takedown for Malkoon. When you throw that hand, it's basically the same thing as wrestling. You always have to set up your shot in some way or another, and that's the perfect setup, an uh, uh, overextended punch. That was a great way for Malkoon to exercise the demons of that Phil Hawes fight, right? Fight a similar dude who likes to get their guys out of there quickly, and he's just like, yo, watch this. And he just grounded uh, Alisson and just just dummied him for the majority of 15 minutes there. Hopefully, we can get a similar performance here against Nick Maximov, although I think it will be a little bit more competitive than that Al-Hassan fight. Um, still very much looking forward to it, uh, but I'm glad that we're both on the Malkoon side. All right, let's get to this prelim headliner, what could be a barn burner should these guys let those hands go. We got Manda Martinez coming in as a minus 150 favorite, plus 130, the return on Brandon Davis. Zach, you know the 
order we're going in here. We're alternating fights, so you're kicking this one off for me, my friend. Both guys look great on the scale this morning. What do you think they look like tomorrow when they face off? Yeah, Mana Martinez, another Houston guy. Uh, we're going with that theme here. But um, I like uh, I like Amana, man. Uh, I, I got to admit, I was a fan of him in his Fury FC days. Uh, a lot of quick knockouts, a lot of like crazy just – he looked like a beast, man, honestly. And uh, trains with guys like Yanez at Metro Fight Club. We're going on to uh, Glory MMA now with James Krause, and this is only his second camp there. Uh, I, I think it's tough to bet on either side here. Honestly, I don't think I'm going to be betting this fight. I hate to be that shtick. I hate to be that – that guy that's just ah, there's nothing wrong it. with passing on fights brother there's nothing wrong with passing on but fights. right exactly and I, I just don't know what version of brandon davis we're gonna see i believe this is his first fight at 135 uh no i believe he's fought there before let me just okay. confirm that was the back row fight at, at 35 the back row fight was at uh 135 yes okay okay so he's not coming down and wait but he did just get knocked out um Mana does have power behind his punches, but the knockouts he did get in the regional scene weren't versus like the level of comp in the UFC. This is only his third fight in the UFC versus a veteran like Brandon Davis, who's fought guys like Giga Shakads, guys like you know, um, he, he's got multiple fights on his um, his record that were close. That I think are he's a UFC veteran. You got to give it to him. In the end of the day, even though he did get cut from the organization. He's got a lot of fights in the UFC, and he's a tough matchup for anybody. I'm interested to see the work that he's getting with James Krause and how that's going to improve him. Uh, I think this comes down to if he could defend the takedown from Brandon Davis, keep it on the feet, because there I, I think he's just the better striker overall, and I think he's going to be able to implement that. Uh, if he could keep it on uh, standing on the feet, use his footwork, I think um, Mana Matian is, is going to be able to get the job done, but it's going to be a close fight. Yeah, I'm I'm largely in agreement with you there in terms of not biting the bullet at minus 150 on Martinez here. Uh, Davis, tremendous amount of experience, like you said. Giga Chikadze, obviously one of the guys that you mentioned, beat Magomed Sharapov. Uh, obviously fought Kyle Bakniak, Steven Peterson, Enrique Barzola, Randy Costa, mm -hmm. Kyung Ho Kong, like a lot of solid names at the 145 and 35 pound divisions. And yeah, it just occurred to me that like he's been bouncing back and forth between those two divisions throughout his career. But these last two obviously going down at 135 pounds now. Um, look fine on the scales to me as the Martinez, uh, you know, I believe that Davis is slightly a little, a little bit more scrappier, like probably the more complete fighter as well here. Um, better BJJ, in my opinion, probably the better wrestler. So it's going to come down to whether he actually looks to implement that type of wrestling and get this fight to the ground. Um, because Mano Martinez, although he got taken down several times by Ronnie Lawrence, and a lot of people are high on Ronnie Lawrence, I got to be honest, I wasn't you know, I, I, it looked like some of those takedowns, he was just pushing them over and he was fine with that and, and giving up those takedowns, um, you know, compared to Brandon Davis, who might work a little bit harder and it might come easy to him. Should Mano Martinez's takedown defense not really be the greatest, but should this be in the stand-up realm? That's where I think that the power of Martinez will start to break Brandon Davis as this fight goes on and not saying that Brandon Davis is going to quit or anything in, inside the cage. Obviously he'll be there the entire no. time, but I, but I think that you don't think that you think that he'll break. You think he'll get knocked out? No, no, I don't think Brand. No, I no, I don't think Brandon Davis will quit inside the octagon. Yeah, He's exactly. No, that 
Yeah, that guy, that guy is durable as hell. Like outside of the back real finish, that was the first time he got knocked out in his career to begin with. So you know that just proves how heavy hitter, how much of a heavier that back real is. But uh, yeah, I think that the combinations and the power of Martinez will kind of just slowly chip away at Brandon Davis. And as long as Martinez can keep this fight upright, I think he'll likely start to cruise with this fight and uh, and get away with it. But you know, give me give me an even line on Martinez, and I'd be happy to take a shot there. But at minus one fifty. I'm cool with just sitting back and just watching the the further progression of Mundo Martinez. You know, something that we haven't really seen throughout his regional career because his last two fights go in the full 15 minutes. That is not the story of his regional career at all. No. Right? This guy yeah. goes out and starts his dudes. His coach did die. I mean, it's it's is it is to be brought up. That was uh, yeah. and he took his first fight on that. Um, I think like 10 days after his coach died. Yeah. And then his next fight, you know, obviously versus Batgirl. Oh, no, not versus Batgirl, um, versus Lawrence. Lawrence is a tough yeah. out for a lot of people, man. Mm-hmm. Other than my guy, Saeed Yokob Kakramana. But that is just a <laughs> comment for another uh, another day. Shout out to my guy, Kakramana, cashing the underdog ticket there. But uh, no, I, I lean on the Martinez side here. I think he gets a dub probably by decision all right that is a wrap on the prelims shout out to the 70 live viewers that we currently have jamming with us on this friday afternoon appreciate you guys hanging with us here hit that like hit that subscribe as well and then give my guy zach a follow as well too you guys can catch his instagram uh page a link in the description below so just give that a click and then hit my man with the follow i promise you'll enjoy all the content that my guy puts out not just ufc and mma related the guy tackles all the sports as well so make sure you guys give him a follow for that zach i'll give you another opportunity at the back end of this podcast to drop the rest of uh anything you want people to find you on just so we get the peak amount of viewers and you can get as many ears as possible all right let's get to this main card and uh i believe the first fight after all the switch rules that was going on after the askarov fight got pulled off we got misha serkinov and alonzo menafield at the light heavyweight division kicking things off we got minus 210 on alonzo menafield and plus 180 on Misha Serkinov. Now, it was nice to see Misha Serkinov back at 205 pounds on the scale this morning. The guy looked in tremendous shape compared to the zombie of a man that we saw him at 185 pounds his last two trips to the octagon. That probably wasn't the best case scenario for him, right? Like, he's a big, thick dude already. He was bigger than Alonzo Menafield even at the weigh-ins today. Just showcases, you know, how tough and how much of a you know, a, a decline, it probably made his skill set having to cut that much weight to make 185 pounds. Now, back being at light heavyweight, it's been the durability that's usually been the question mark for, for, for Serkinov. You know, if he gets clipped, he gets hurt, sometimes it's easy to put him away. But should he get this fight to the ground, good God, is he going to... I think he'll make it look relatively easy. I think his jiu-jitsu is way far superior to what we see from Alonzo Menafield. And although Menafield's finishes in his last couple of fights have come on the ground, it's with him on top, not on bottom. And that's something that I don't think he's going to be comfortable with here uh, against Serkinov. So um, I think there is value on the Serkinov line. I pulled the trigger at plus 180 myself. I thought that was more than enough of a line for me to take the shot here on the far superior overall fighter. Now it just comes down to can his durability hold up? Because if his durability can't hold up, I'm probably going to look like a complete idiot when Alonzo Benefield goes out there and starches him in 30 seconds. But should Serkinov stay safe enough, should Serkinov get this fight to the mat, I think he runs through Alonzo Benefield and ends up getting a submission victory himself. So uh, I took the money line shot on Serkinov. 
I was happy with what I saw on the skills. The guy looked happy as well on the skills, not having to cut an extra 20 pounds. Uh, but circuit off money line is great. Circuit off by submission. The prop is around plus 360 on certain spots. Might want to sprinkle a little bit of that. <clears throat> but I think the majority of your action should go on the Misha money line. Uh, Zach, what are you thinking here? You you, you fade in the Latvian Canadian, or are you going to back your uh, your fellow Texan there? Alonso? How is Alonzo Menafield minus 200 here? How? Because Serkinov's chin is dog shit sometimes. <laughs> I get it, man, but he's just a better fighter. We got to, you know, Menafield, he hasn't proven to, to show anything in his last few fights, in my opinion. His last fight was versus a guy who shouldn't have even been in the UFC. Let's just be honest now. Yeah. The, the fights before that versus Ed Herman were, in my opinion, just not good showcases of his actual skill. And he just, from the that guy we saw who came into the UFC with this incredible power, this incredible knockout ability, he's kind of just fallen off, losing to William Knight, getting knocked down, getting taken down in that fight. His wrestling is good, and, and if Serkinov isn't able to take him to the ground, yeah, the fight could be interesting. But for how long? Because Menafield... I think only has one, two rounds in him at most to get that real like knockout power that he has. And I think that's just due to his muscle and, and his build for 205. Serkinov looked ripped on the scales, man. What he does really well is he catches people in that front headlock position. He's able to hit you with things like, like Peruvian neckties, uh, Darces, you know. He's got it all from there. Uh, North-South chokes. Uh, man, I really like Serkinov in this spot. I think he's the better technical fighter. Uh, the higher IQ UFC vet Menafield just seems to lose fights uh, that, you know, like that, the Oven St. Prue fight, he was doing decent in that fight until he wasn't the Devin Clark fight where he absolutely gasses comes back and doesn't, you know, like he doesn't push the pedal like he should anymore. And, you know, I think that version of Alonzo Menafield has a better chance than the version we're seeing now. I think he should go balls to the wall, but we're not seeing that. And, I don't think he's the technical fighter that he needs to be to be at the higher level of the UFC. And not saying Serkinov is like the elite of the elite uh, as he was at one point. But, you know, his losses are versus tough people, really tough people. Whereas, you know, Ovin St. Prue has lost versus Devin Clark and Ovin St. Prue. And he's beating guys like Fabio Charant, Ed Herman, and Askar Mozarov. Uh, I can't see why he's a minus 200 in the spot. I got to go with Serkinov. Yeah, like a lot of people fall in love with the the durability issues of people and just say, okay, if this guy's a power puncher, more than likely he'll be able to start to, you know, cash that minus 200, right? The one that always comes to mind for me over the last couple months is the, uh, is the, um, David Onama and oh, Nate Landwehr. Hey, brother, my fault. I'm sorry about it. Keep going, talk about it. I have to get a charger for this because my okay, AirPods. Go for it, go for it, go for it. I'll boot you out. And then when I see you back in here, I'll get you back in here. Uh, but yeah, no, in regards to, uh, like everybody trying to take advantage of the durability issues of certain fighters, the one that always comes to mind is David Onama and Nate Lanra, right? Everybody expected Nate to just get dropped by the first punch that Onama threw and then Onama would win, but that's just a, a perfect example of a fight that should it go longer, things, the tide could change, that things could be completely different. And if that standing KO does not come to fruition for Vilanzo Menafield, 
and he might be in trouble with kind of the grappling game that's going to be coming his way from the Misha Serkinov side, which is kind of what I'm uh, looking to here, the, uh, hoping that Serkinov could get this fight to the ground. And seeing him at the weigh-ins today uh, and how how big he looked against uh, Alonzo Menafield, I thought it was very impressive. Um, and hopefully that can translate to a, a good performance from him here because he really needs a dub. You know, things haven't been really going the best for him, and I think he definitely needs a dub here to get his... Uh, to get his um, confidence back. Let me just see quickly. These last couple question here. My guy J uh, Joker Smoker in the chat. It's been a minute here saying, if you like the free content, please hit the like. Really helps the algorithm. Thanks. Blowing that smoke. Appreciate my guy. It's always 420. Jim coming through. Always happy to see him swing through and uh, see him pop up on the timelines. Hope all is well. My friend Thomas Kane, we're going to be talking about uh, this fight in the next couple fights, actually. But Cub, to me, in my opinion, looked to be in damn good shape, honestly. I was very impressed with how he looked uh, on the skills, considering uh, he was making 135 for the first time in his career. Also, um, he posted a picture on Twitter where he looks completely sucked out. Don't read too much into that. He clearly looked like he was like breathing in the entire time uh, and to make his, his stomach look smaller. So don't let that catch you off guard. All right. We got my guy Zach back in the trap. Uh, so in terms of what you're saying for this, uh, Serkinov and Menafield fight, you're leaning the, uh, the, the Serkinov side here. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta. That's my favorite underdog on the card in my opinion. And uh, also brother, just let me know if there's any echo. I'll, we'll do. Uh, no, you sound it. all good, brother. You sound okay. all good. All right. Let's get to this. Next matchup, let me just make sure I got the right one up next. All right, next up, we got the fight that actually got moved up from the prelims after the Askarov and Roy Rovile fight fell off. Um, we got uh, Rafael Asuncel, veteran Rafael Asuncel, coming in as a plus 330 underdog. He's going up against the minus 410 Victor Henry, who makes his second walk to the octagon. In the first fight, he managed to pull off a tremendous upset uh, against uh, Jaune Barcelos, and now he gets another UFC uh, 135 mainstay in a half of the out here. Uh, Zach, I'm going to let you kick this one off, my friend. Uh, what are you thinking about this fight? Does Victor Henry have what it takes to continue the slump of a Sunsau, or does a Sunsau pull one out from uh, from his bag of tricks? Yeah, I can't bet on a 40-year-old bantamweight. This is not... not uh... Smart bet, in my opinion. I think I got to bet against them, especially after the performance we saw with Victor Henry versus Ronnie Barcells. I've never seen a guy come into the UFC uh, and and dominate. And he did dominate him, in my opinion. Uh, he, he showed angles and striking techniques in that fight that are, are high level for a guy making his UFC debut versus one of the guys that we thought at the bantamweight level could see top 15 at least, which is a deep division. So I think that performance proved that Victor Henry is the real deal. I think the UFC is doing the smart thing by giving him a guy like a Sun Sal, who has been finished in his last two fights, you know, has shown um, not the same durability as he used to. Now, I do see a path to victory for a Sun Sal. It would be on the ground, but I don't think he's going to be able to hold Victor Henry down. I think Victor Henry knows that's probably the most likely path that a Sun Sal is going to take. Um, I think over time, you know, that pace – that almost kind of, you know, I want to say Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, Kobe Covington type style because he just keeps the same pace from round one to round three. He doesn't really look for the knockout necessarily. He's just peppering you with shots and avoiding your shots 
he's even willing to take, you know, a shot if he knows he could land a, a harder shot. And he does really well. You'll hear Mark Coleman say in, this, in the corner, he uh, freezes his opponent with the feints and then throws the exact same strike, nails it on the money. And that was just tricking Ronnie Barcelos every time uh, Ronnie Barcelos tried to get a rhythm in that fight. Victor Henry was just able to break it up with some footwork, some type of angle change, some type of feint. And I think that's just going to frustrate a Sun Sal, uh, the slower, older version of a Sun Sal. This isn't the same guy we've seen. Uh, he's coming off of two losses where he did get knocked out. My favorite bet on this fight is on FanDuel. Uh, I'm going with Victor Henry, round three or decision. I think Victor Henry's live for a round three knockout because I think the ref is just going to eventually gonna say, man, I got to spare this guy because he's just going to be getting peppered up uh, the same way Barcelos did. You know, Barcelos is a dog. Uh, Sun Sal, I just think, is a little bit older of a fighter, has taken a few losses back to back. The ref might just come in and say, hey, like, we got to stop this. I like Victor Henry, round three, knockout for plus 1,400. Uh, juicy prop. I know, I know it's a crazy angle, but I think that pace is really going to wear on. Um, I, I don't think many guys in the UFC at Bantamweight at 40, year old, uh, 40 years old are existing, let alone facing a guy like Victor Henry. So I think uh, a finish is definitely possible. I like it. Uh, I'm largely on the same train as you there. Um, <clears throat> you know, plus Victor Henry's can't go wrong. Plus fourteen is crazy. I always like taking a stab on those shots, uh, especially if there's a, a logical explanation behind it. I think you laid it out pretty, uh, pretty on on the ball there. Um, Victor Henry, not a spring chicken in, in his own right either, right? The guy's 35 years old, but he's accrued a tremendous amount of experience from all corners of the world, which should allow him to kind of pull off the victory that he needs uh, to, this weekend, just like he did against Hany Barcelos last time around. I did not give him enough credit last time around, or it could also have been my... <clears throat> well, well, well my, no, who, who did? Who nobody did. did. Yeah, yeah, not a lot of people did. The bets were on Barcelos. Yeah, exactly. But like, I, I what I, what I think was my downfall in that that matchup and taking the chalk on Barcelos was my overconfidence in him actually getting his wrestling going. Like, I thought that would be his best way to win that fight. We know that it's, uh, like, we knew that was his best path to victory. Like, you look at the most recent loss on Victor Henry's record, and he's getting out grappled. And you'd expect a guy like Honey Barcelos to have that advantage, but he just couldn't get it going at all. And he just allowed Victor Henry to slowly and surely chip away at him and get that decision victory. And I think that uh, given the Sun Sal style, He's a little bit of a low-volume guy as well. And even if we go out there and expect him to take a grapple-heavy approach, I think he's going to struggle to assert it. Similar to what your concerns were about Brito taking a grapple-heavy approach, those are my exact same concerns here about Asunso. He might slow down. That's where Victor Henry will start to pour it onto him. And I think it's going to get even harder and harder for uh, for Asunso to get anything going, especially uh, the longer that this fight goes. So... I like Henry. I don't mind parlaying him either straight up. I don't mind the round three slash decision that you said as well. Obviously, the round three KO that you're talking about at plus 1,400 is very juicy as well. Um, but I just bitched out and just parlayed him with something else later on this card uh, because, you know, I, I played uh, Ricky Simone via decision against Rafael Asuncio, and here I am ripping up my ticket rather than just playing fucking Ricky Simone straight up. So uh, there we go. Uh, we're both on Victor Henry. I'm pretty confident about it as well all right let's move on to this next fight uh we're gonna be talking about jordan wright going up against dushko todorovich in terms of odds we currently have minus one or sorry minus 200 sorry on dushko todorovich plus 170 the return on jordan wright man this this one is a 
this one's going to be a barn burn. We we know that for sure, right? Jordan Wright is never in an uh, 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 is never in an a boring fight. I want to say in an uh, in a boring fight. He's never in a boring fight. The guy brings it. Either he goes out there, kills his opponent, or goes out there and gets sent out on his shield. Essentially, the guy is just uh, so explosive, so powerful, and always forces the issue. That sometimes it works out for him, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and given the striking defense style of Dusko Todorovic, I think he's going to struggle. Uh, you know, with that speed of an explosiveness early from Jordan Wright. Now, I'm not picking right to win because it's going to be hard to trust that chin, but Dushko's chin is just as unreliable, in my opinion, especially considering the big power that we're getting from Jordan Wright going into this fight. So the way that I took it, I actually ended up parlaying the under one and a half here with Victor Henry, and uh, I got minus 120 on that. Took a 1.2 unit shot on that myself. I'm not big on playing you know, uh, chalky parlays nowadays. I think that's why I've had such a great resurgence over the last seven months now, you know, just playing straight bets and, you know, just money line spots. That's what's really been allowing me to be on such a heater as of late. But I felt like this was a chalky spot that I needed to take advantage of considering the chances I'm expecting uh, of it to hit. You know what I mean? Like like the, the under is, is pretty much a goldmine in any Jordan Wright fight. And then on the Victor Henry side, the, the skill disparity, especially at that point in their career, I think allows Victor Henry to win that fight relatively easily. In terms of this one, I'm going to go Dushko first round knockout, but... I would not trust his money line at minus 200 because Jordan Wright is absolutely live in this spot. I would even recommend fight to not start round two, which I saw it on FanDuel around minus 125. I think that's a great uh, spot as well, considering how much violence there should be early in this matchup. So uh, official prediction, Dushko, round one KO, but official bet was going to be on the under one and a half. What about yourself here, Zach? What are you thinking? Yeah, man, you're going to hate me here, but I'm going to put my tinfoil hat on a little bit. Hey. Dusko, yeah, I think Dusko is going to wrestle early. I think he's going to look to wrestle Jordan Wright a little bit early in the fight. And both these guys know what their problem is. Jordan Wright, man, he just runs into punches. Uh, this guy has no regard for his own chin when he thinks he has somebody hurt on the other end. He will just run at you full-fledged. And like you said, sometimes it works out for him, and sometimes it doesn't. Like it did versus Bruno Silva. Uh, it didn't versus Bruno Silva. Uh, ran right into that shot. Had Bruno hurt in the beginning of the fight, though, but... You know, you get hit by that punch from Bruno Silva. You're not taking it. Um, so I think, you know, Jordan Wright is a live dog, like you said, in this fight. But I think Tudorovic is the side. I think he's the overall better technical striker. And I think he's going to try and mix in the grappling. My thing is, I don't know if I, f- I don't know if I feel comfortable with under one and a half at minus 225. Because I really do think Dusko is going to try and wrestle early. Knowing that he's been knocked out in his last fight. Knowing that this guy, Jordan Wright, is a power striker. And, you know, most of his fights do finish in the first round. Let's try and extend this guy out, see what his cardio is like past that first round. We know we could go three. We've been three, you know, with guys like Michel Pereira or uh, Gregory Rodriguez. We've been there before. Um, you know, the problem, like you said, with Dusko is that chin in the air type style. But I think he's going to hopefully recognize that and uh, try and make some adjustments. Uh, at the end of the day, I do like Dusko Todorovic in the spot, but like you said, minus 200, I, I, I don't know how much I, I feel about that because Jordan Wright could potentially put him to bed in the first round as well. Uh, but I think the longer it goes, Dusko Todorovic is the side. Um, I'll, I'll be going with Dusko here, but I am uh, a little bit hesitant on the under one and a half. 
All right, we got a little bit of dissension on the total there, but I'm I'm okay with that. I'm never gonna hate on somebody for having a different. Well, we'll see how I it goes. It. Uh, but but that's also why I went like low volume in terms of the unit size, right? Like, uh, you know, Manfred of uh, eight months ago would have fucking gone five units on the under one and a half here, but I know that there is that possibility that it could not go the way that we expect it to go, and it could hit that over, and especially betting a chalky spot like minus 240 on the under one and a half you got to be careful with it so i only have a 1.2 units on it myself don't want to go too heavy but i feel like it's a spot that needs to be taken advantage of i think it's i think it's the obvious bet and then that's my little bit uh hesitancy on it i hear you all right let's get to this next fight it is the co-main event and it is the one that zach said he was most excited about as am i so we got Cub Swanson make, weighing in at 135 pounds this morning. Looked good doing so. You know what I mean? All things considered, I thought he looked fine on the scale. Looked to be uh, some good energy. He had the sunglasses on for anybody that reads into that narrative. But, uh, you know, he looked in relatively good shape from what I was expecting him to look like. Jonathan Martinez, another guy who has formerly struggled to make 135 pounds as well. He looked pretty damn good on the scales too. So I think we're getting both guys uh, with their full facilities going into the fight tomorrow night. Uh, in terms of odds, we are looking at minus 205 for Jonathan Martinez and plus 175 for Cub Swanson. Zach, I'm going to let you kick this one off, my friend. What are you thinking about this matchup? Does the veteran get it done or does the, uh, again, I don't know if we should be calling him a prospect still, but does Jonathan Martinez get the biggest win of, win of his career? Yeah, he's the prospect in this fight. He's going up against his biggest test yet. Uh, that's not even a question. Even though Cub is 38 coming down to a new weight class, I think that's the, the biggest red flag here. He's shown in his fights, uh, the fight versus Darren Elkins, you know, he did what he was supposed to do there, came forward, absolutely put him away. The fight strong and thin Martinez looks good and is like the fights like uh, Lavishvili, where he's able to control the distance, he's able to control the pace of the fight. I think Cub Swanson, his goal in this fight is to not let Martinez get into that groove, into that kicking range. I think if Cub comes in, keeps it in a boxing range, uh, this fight is a winnable fight for him at, at his line. Uh, and, and the thing is with Martinez is he's been dropped in his fights as well uh, versus guys like Davey Grant, who are um, you know good strikers in their own right. I think, like I said, Cub is the toughest test he's faced yet. Uh, I don't. I haven't placed a bet yet, but I think if Cub gets up to that plus like 190, plus 195 range, plus 200 even, that that's you got to take a stab on Cub Swanson. He's the higher IQ fighter in my opinion, the veteran. He's been through the ups and downs of the UFC. The the fights he's put on already, like the fight versus Crone Gracie, that was a great one. Uh, my favorite fight ever in the fight versus Du Ho Choi, that was an absolute barn burner. The fight for his Burgos, like, this guy just deserves his respect. Honestly, just wish he retired on his last win. That was just, you know, his kids in the crowd. Uh, that was the perfect way, in my opinion, to go out. But now he's facing a tough prospect at a new weight class. Uh, I hope it goes his way. But Martinez is no t uh, easy out for anybody. We know he's going to be chopping at the legs, um, maybe using some wrestling in this fight as well. But Cubs a black belt. I think he's going to be able to keep it on the feet. It's going to be an interesting fight, man. I'm really excited for this one. I I'm pulling for Cub to get the victory. The only reason I think I haven't placed a bet on it yet is because I'm worried if my personal bias is, is getting to me. Being such a huge uh, Cub fan, uh, maybe it's just some type of nostalgia. But, yeah, I like Cub in this spot. And uh, if he gets up to minus one, uh, plus 190, plus 200, yeah, I'm, I'm taking a stab on him. Yeah, I, I 
again, largely agreeing with a lot of what you're saying there and already pulled the trigger. Uh, plus 177 was the line that I got. I, I was literally waiting for the weigh-in just to see, okay, what kind of Cub Swanson are we getting on the scale? And then once I saw he was fine, I'm like, all right, let's let's do this thing. And the best price I could get from any of the bookies that I had any of my bankroll in was plus 177. So I just pulled the trigger, assuming that other people would think the same thing as me, right? You, you're just waiting on him to look, uh, see what he looks like on the scale and then make your decision. And I expected some money to come in on him uh, at that point. As of right now, if best fight odds is up to, excuse me, up to date, for some reason, uh, giving me an error. Here we go. I'm still seeing plus 175. You can get plus 180 on Betway. Um, that's the best line that's currently out there. But I think I got probably one of the better lines that you're ever going to get. Cub Swanson loves wars. And I think he'll have no issue here dragging Jonathan Martinez into a war. And I think he'll thrive in that. You know, Martinez, in my opinion, not much of a KO threat. The guy does good with combinations, utilizes his leg kicks to maintain his distance, whether it's to the legs or even to the body. And I've, I've spoken to his coach a couple of times in terms of what makes Jonathan Martinez so great. And he's just like, it's his ability to establish that range and just listen to, listen to, to, to advice. Like he just knows, like if I just keep kicking to the body, it's going to be hard for his opponent to keep closing that distance on him, which is why he had success the way that he did against Vince Morales and even Alejandro Perez. But for me, it's, like when he does get clipped, when he does get power put on him, he doesn't look the most comfortable. Uh, you know, I had, I'm, I think I had, I can't recall if he was my lock of the night play that night against Alejandro Perez, but I had a play on him and I was sweating my ass off that entire time considering the type of uh, aggression that I saw Perez coming into with that fight. And he hurt him a couple of times in that fight, but uh, you know, Martinez stayed composed and managed to keep his wits about him and eventually still ended up getting the win. But I think Swanson will definitely bring the fight to him here and he's going to give you every chance possible to hit that yeah, plus absolutely. 180 on the money line or even plus 500 on the KO line, which I think I'm going to be taking a shot on as well because I think he can land on him and put him out there as well. So both me and Zach on the Cub Swanson side here. He hasn't pulled the trigger you're yet. You're talking but me into it, though. You're, you're about to pull that trigger. It. I'm sure as soon as we go offline here, you'll be pulling the trigger there. But I think Swanson is definitely one of the better dogs this week. And it hurts me to say... I'm a big Factory X guy. I love those guys. I love Mark Montoya. I love Brandon Royval, who is going to be fighting as well. Uh, and then obviously love Jamar as well. But tough matchup for him here, I think. If this was minus 110 Martinez, minus 110 Swanson, we might be talking a different discussion. I might just be passing altogether at that point. You know what I mean? Like, I'd, I probably wouldn't even take the shot on Martinez there, but I wouldn't have enough meat on the bone either to take a guy who's going to be 39 dropping down a weight class, uh, you, know, you know, a month from now. So, um, all right, there we go. Let's get this main event discussion underway. But again, a quick reminder, smash that like and subscribe below if you haven't already. I took a quick look at the, the like count and it was only around 23. Not going to cut it, folks. Let's go. Get, let's get that thumbs up. Let's get it going. I know you guys appreciate the content. Even if you're watching it on the back end, let's get those number up numbers up. I appreciate all you guys doing that. And then uh, for my guy, Zach, as well, make sure you guys follow him on IG at MMAJBetter. But I have it linked directly in the description below. So just give that a click. It will open up your Instagram page. Then you just hit the follow. I promise you guys will enjoy that. All right, Zach, let's get to this main event. And then we'll wrap this thing up. 
main event, we got the 125 125 pound women going at it here with Alexa Grasso riding a three-fight winning streak. She comes in as a minus 230 favorite on the flip side for Viviani Araujo. Uh, I believe she only has a one-fight streak going on, which is not really a streak, but she does have a win in her last fight. Uh, She's coming in as a plus 195 underdog here. Now, Going into this fight or even going into the tape, I'm like, I'm probably just going to end up picking Grasso to win and just pass on the fight all in all. But after running the tape, after running the the, the research, I th- really think that Grasso is going to have a, a, a head up on, on Arujo in the spot, uh, especially the deeper the fight goes, right? Arujo, she is great in the first round. She's great for two rounds. But the longer that this fight goes, and if Viviani Arujo can't get her out of there, I think Alexa Grasso is really going to start to cruise as this fight goes on. Now, I took a shot pre-fight at minus 200. Obviously, she's taken a little bit of uh, action since then, pushing her up to minus 230. But another way you could possibly attack this is through the live line. Arujo will have a very competitive first round, and you might be able to get a better line on the Grasso there. She might have a competitive second round. You might get a closer round, uh, closer line after that. But the longer this goes... I'm going to back the woman that has shown the better cardio. I'm going to back the woman that trains at elevation. I'm going to back the woman that I know will go out there and put those combinations, put that output, and keep that activity on her opponent. Even when people look to take Alexa Grasso to the mat, she does a very good job in terms of staying off active off her back. Feet on the hips, pushing them off, getting back to her feet, or throwing up submissions and able to you know get close enough to threaten these people to, to give up that dominant position and get back to their feet. Where Alexa Grasso... Volume-wise, likely will have the advantage here over uh, Viviani Arujo. Technique and power is probably on the Arujo side, but we know all that goes out the window as the gas thing starts to dwindle. And I think that's what we're going to see here uh, in this matchup. So I like the Grasso side. I love the fan duel prop that they have around four or five decision is sitting around minus 115, but I don't mind taking that chalk straight up here at minus 200 minus 230. I still wouldn't mind it, honestly, because I think she's that much better. Um, I just, I just don't think that Arujo is going to be able to finish her. And that's ultimately going to be her demise because she can't get it done in the first two. I think that we'll see her um, start to, you know, get chipped away um, as as Grasso starts getting her output higher. I think she'll put her pedal on the metal a little bit more the later that this fight goes, and that should allow her to either secure a finish late or pull off a, a decision victory as well. So give me Grasso, and I feel damn good about it myself. What are you thinking here, Zach? Am I not giving Viviani enough credit, or are you riding the Mexicano no, like I am? You're reading her. I think you're reading her the right way. The thing is, I think those first two rounds, like, does Grasso win one of those? That's the question. And then how much could Vivi push through, like, that exhaustion? Uh, this is going to be one of the bigger fights of her career. The thing is, she wasn't prepared for a five-round fight, and I think that's a big, big red flag for maybe Viviana, uh, Viviani Arojo, uh, because the longer this fight does go. So the thing is, if I'm going to place my money on Grasso, I'm only live betting it if you have that option. I think you have to wait through the first two rounds, see where it is. If Viviani doesn't look tired, then, man, if she could win one of those rounds three, four, five, book one and two in the bag, she wins the fight by decision, and now you're getting a plus 200 dog. Where I think, you know, she's the more physical fighter and the um, maybe not the cleaner striker. Um, you know, she I think but her shots have a little bit more of an effect. You see when Viviani does hit these girls, it's like, oh, crap, she does have some sting behind those punches, especially in her last fight versus Lee, man. Some of those double leg takedowns that she was able to hit, like uh, you could say Grasso is a great grappler in her own right. But that last fight versus Joanne Wood, man, Joanne Wood cannot grapple. 
to save her life. If you know, I I just I can't trust Joanne Wood as a, a stepping stone for Alexa Grasso. I think Viviani is just a little bit of a tougher test. She went the full distance with Caitlin Chukigan, and though, though she did slow down in that three round fight as well, it was a close fight, man. And and Chukigan is one of the top uh, people. She's the gatekeeper, in my opinion, for Valentina Shevchenko. And um, man, I, I think I'm I think I'm gonna go with a stab on Viviani, and I think she gets it done by decision. I, I think I'm gonna probably wait to live better though. That's the thing is I think this line could get out of hand. Maybe you get like a plus Sorry, you're saying li- live bet Arujo? Oh, no. If you're going to live bet, live bet Grasso. I'm going to be betting Grasso. Um, Arujo, okay. I think she gets the job done. Don't live bet Arujo. I'm going to be going with Arujo in my opinion. But if you were to bet the Grasso side, I'd only be betting live. Uh, I think she gets the later rounds done probably because, like you said, the worry for Viviana is her cardio. But other than that, I think she's the better overall fighter here. She's going to be able to utilize her wrestling to get this fight to the ground in certain spots. And that power striking of her is nothing to be played with. I think, you know, Grasso does show some boxing in her own right, but she is a 115-pounder coming up, whereas Zorojo, man, she she can crack at this weight class. Um, I hate to just spam underdogs, spam underdogs, spam underdogs, but it's another <laughs> woman's main event. We just cashed big on Yanzi and Ann. I guess I'm feeling myself. Uh that was a great call. I'm going to try another one here. I'm going to be taking a small stab on Arojo. But if you're going to bet Grasso, take that live bet, guys. There you guys go. Well, got got some dissension on the main event, but I always uh, like giving guys, uh, you know, uh, you know, opening people's minds, not just having one uh, viewpoint in mind, right? Here out why I'm taking Grasso. Here out why he's taking uh, Arujo, and I think that's more than uh, enough reasoning for you guys to make your own decision at the end of the day in terms of who you think should be ended, uh, should end up winning. All right, on the back end here, we like to end off the show with the uh, lock of the night play or the most confident play on the card from myself and my guest. I'll kick it off as usual. Uh, as usual. Um, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to put my, my nuts where my or my money where my nuts are and go with Grasso here in the main event. I got uh five units at minus two hundred on the main event there uh for Grasso just to win money line. Um I, I feel very, very confident about her. I'd be surprised if Viviani actually finishes her a little bit early here. And then the deeper that this fight goes, I fully expect Grasso to take over. And it, lastly, in regards to the, the the grappling approach that you're saying that she could possibly implement, it is a viable approach, obviously for a Rujo, but I really think she's going to struggle with the activity that Grasso will be having off of her back and her constant just get-ups. Like, uh, she does not settle whatsoever, and I think that's going to tax the cardio even more here of a Rujo, which should allow it to be easier for Grasso as this fight goes on. So, uh, let's go. Grasso, main event, minus 200. What are you thinking here? Yeah, you know, there were some things we didn't agree on, but but most of the things we did agree on, and I, I think that just shows that, you know, us Jews and us brown people, we can get along just fine. You know, so you guys in there, smash that like button, give my boy a like, uh, subscribe, do whatever you got to do. You know, all that good stuff. Or we're going to come find you. We're going to kick your dog in the balls. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> not Alfred. <laughs> no, I'm just Definitely not Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I'm going to I'm going to be going with Tatsuro Tyra here. I think uh, he's uh, the, the best pick on this card, in my opinion, at a minus 260. If you're looking for value, I think a good parlay piece is Victor Henry. I think he has a great matchup here. And the outlandish prop, of course, like I said, my favorite one on the card probably. Round three knockout, Victor Henry. Let's go. Plus 1,400. You can't beat that. Throw 10 bucks on that. And then go get yourself a nice steak dinner. 
Ah, there you go. I love it. I love it. Zach, I'm going to give you one last opportunity here to drop anywhere you want people to follow you, subscribe to your channel, whatever the fuck it is. Let them know right now and they can go do that. Yeah, man. I try to give out content as much as I can in the time I got. So just follow the Instagram that's right under my name right here, MMAJ Better. I post, um, you know, pretty frequently on there. I try to post my bets. You're always free to DM me, ask me any question you want. I try to stay tapped in. Stay tapped in my man, Man Pre, right here. He's been killing it lately. Uh, the thing is, guys, you got to stay with people when they're up and stay with people when they're down. Uh, there's certain times, you know, the, the gambling doesn't necessarily always go your way. And uh, right now, I've been blessed to be on a great streak. Uh, I haven't been losing, you know. It happens, right? You know, every gambler loses at some point. There's losing weeks, but people are so fickle, man. And it's just give people the respect that they deserve. This guy's been doing this for years, uh, if you've been watching his videos. And uh, he puts effort into it a lot more than a lot of other people could say. Uh, <laughs> one of the most humble dudes. And I, I think you guys um, are in good hands here listening to this guy. 100%. I appreciate it, brother. Honestly, it, it means a lot. But the main thing that we got to get out of that is make sure you follow my guy, Zach, at MMAJ Better. Again, you don't even have to type anything in. Just click the link in the description below and you'll get right to his Instagram page and hit him with that follow. Zach, I greatly appreciate you joining me on this Friday afternoon to break down these fights. Uh, good luck on your bets tomorrow. Good luck Let's on the money, upcoming man. street. Yes, sir. Good luck on the, the six weeks of straight UFC events that we got coming up ahead of us. And I'll be seeing you in the very near future as well, right back on the show, brother. Thanks, man. I'm going to go light that burning bush. Go do some. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. On behalf of myself and Zach, appreciate everybody for checking out the show. Good luck on your bets this weekend. I will try to do the fight day live chat tomorrow. I'm going to spew out a number right now. Let's say 1030 a.m. Eastern time because I have a full day tomorrow. Won't be watching the fights live, but I still want to get out some content for you guys. So 1030 a.m. tomorrow. Let's fucking go right here. Fight day live chat. See you guys then. Peace.